Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Come on, if you believe there's nobody greater than him, put your hands together for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Nobody's greater than him. Amen, amen. Well, good morning to you. Oh, man, that was weak. Good morning, Epiphany Fellowship. Amen. You can take your seat. My name is uh, Pastor Derek Parks. Uh, I bring you greetings from Epiphany Church in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, so with your uh, little sister down the road so in Wilmington. So um, it is a privilege for me to stand before you today and uh, share the word of God with you. I'm just eager and excited uh, to be here this morning. Um, I was a part of this church a long, long time ago. Um, when there were metal chairs in here and not much paint uh, and not many people. So, <laughs> so I'm uh, just grateful anytime I get to come back home uh, and share the word of God. So um, I'll be sharing from you today from John chapter 14. Um, as Pastor Kirk said, um, I'm the husband of one wife and of three, the father of three wonderful children. That means I don't got no side chicks, no side pieces, no girlfriends, none of that, none of that. One, because my wife will cut me, and two, because I love Jesus. <laughs> uh, so, man, you guys uh, say a prayer for my wife. Um, she's been struggling the past two months, um, two and a half months, uh, with some health issues, and it's just been challenging for her, um, you know, on a, on, on a bad day, sometimes I have to carry her to the bathroom. Um, so uh, we're not sure what's going on with her or what's happening, but keep her uh, in your prayers for her chocolate self. I wish she was here. Um, I call her my Reese's peanut butter cup because she's dark like chocolate on the outside, but sweet like peanut butter on the inside. So that's, y'all pray for my peanut butter cup. She's laid up right now, but uh, we know God's a healer, amen? So we're trusting the Lord to heal her body completely, and um, she longs to be here with you guys. So um, the goal of any follower of Christ is to become more like Jesus. That's what we're after. Um, if you didn't know that, that's what you're after. <laughs> you're after being more like Jesus. Um, our entire lives are pointing us in that direction. However, sometimes we fail to truly see that while we participate, it is God who is changing us. He is setting us apart as his own and shaping us to be with him forever. It's not an overnight process, though. I need us to understand that. It's not an overnight process. And it will only come as he has decided. I know for some of us, that's not good enough. Like, we want to be changed and transformed right now. Like, we want God to make us like him immediately. And, and, but Jesus knows best, and he knows which way to grow us and how to grow us and the rate at which to grow us. So we've got to be patient and just trust the process. 
you guys know that because you live in Philly. Y'all been trusting the process for a long time. <laughs> uh, now you're winning. Somebody, it's always somebody talking fast. Somebody's got something to say. <laughs> so we, we have to distrust the process. Uh, and I want to submit to you today that hope is the process. Hope is the process. I'll be in John chapter 14. It's your custom to stand for the reading of the word. So if you would stand, we'll be in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. I'll read the first verse, and then you guys can jump in for verses 2 through 7, okay? He says, Jesus speaking, he says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, severing the marrow from the bone. And God, I pray that this word would get deep down into the marrow of our souls, God. And Lord, when we hear this word, may we respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. And it's in that same spirit, Lord, that I pray that you would stand in my body and drink to our life and speak through my, my mouth. And let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, and my redeemer, in whom I place all of my trust in the whole church said, amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Um, a man approached a little league baseball game one afternoon, which is not weird at all. Um, he was walking up to a little league baseball game. He had no kid there. Um, and he asked a boy in the dugout what the score was. The little boy responded, he said, it's 18 to nothing, and we're behind. So the spectator, he said, man, you must be pretty discouraged. Just the little boy replied, he said, why should I be discouraged? We haven't even got up to bat yet. Do I have any believers in here today who believe that as long as you still got in at bat, that there is still hope? Any believers in here today that believe that as long as you're still alive, there's hope? Anybody in here believe that as long as I'm still breathing, that there's still hope for me here in this life? The old church used to saying, as long as I got King Jesus, everything will be all right. You see, we've got to understand that in the midst of this work, in this midst of this life as growing in believers in Christ Jesus, that we have to trust the process. And what the process looks like, if we're going to trust the process, then we must have hope. See, the first place where I want you to have hope is have hope in your heart. Verse 1, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. See, one of the greatest impediments to our trusting the process 
is our own inward commotion. See, commotion is a state of confusion or disturbance. And oftentimes we find ourselves with a state of inward commotion. Our, our thoughts get to raging. Our, our, our hearts become unsettled. Our, our, our thoughts begin to race and we begin to wonder various things and it begins to produce anxiety in our hearts. Not only that, but, but there's a lot of commotion around us. The world is telling us what we should believe, how to think. The culture is telling us who it's okay for us to sleep with and who not to sleep with. There, there, there's so much commotion going on around us, and we have to be able to settle our hearts and have hope in our hearts like Jesus is instructing us here in verse number one. But see, we, we're constantly battling with commotion in our hearts. We're constantly battling with confusion. We're asking the question, am I good enough? Do I, do I have what it takes? Will I be able to sustain in this life? Will people love me with all of my flaws? These are the questions that we ask ourselves. And, and the commotion in our hearts, it forces us into anxiety, depression, and doubt. Uh, I wish I had some honest folks in here today who would, who would admit that sometimes you struggle with depression. Sometimes you're, you're struggling with doubt. Even right now as you sit here in your seat, you're doubting whether or not God is able to do the thing that he said he would do in your life. Oftentimes we walk around looking like the Joel and B crying meme. <laughs> Instead of looking like we've got the franchise tag on us. See, the franchise tag says that you are mine and you belong to me. See, as believers in Jesus, we've got to understand that the day that we accepted Christ, we were stamped with the franchise tag. See, the day that we received Christ into our hearts, we received the franchise tag, and he tells us, he says, you belong to me, you are mine. I know you might be facing some wins and some losses in your life, but you belong to me. See, th this word can also mean to agitate or stir the waters. And oftentimes, the, the waters of our lives get tested. And see, we, we, we oftentimes, we, we stir the water in order to test the temperature of the water. I, when I run a bath for my kids, I, I, I put my hand in the water and I, and I go like that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You do like this in the water? I'm the only one? Okay. <laughs> I do like that. Somehow thinking that it will cool the water down or make it hotter. I don't know why I do that, but I do that to, to test the water. And oftentimes what happens is we allow the circumstances of our lives to determine the temperature of our faith. See, and, and we cannot allow the circumstances or the waters that might be raging around us to determine the temperature of our faith. See, when you go through stuff, you stop praying. See, when you go through difficulties, you stop having faith in God. When you go through challenges, the, your, your Bible is as far away from you as it could possibly be. It's somewhere tucked underneath the seat of your car with the banana chips and the fruit that you just left there. It's just somewhere tucked away. You don't even know where it is. But here's what God does. 
God allows the agitation of the waters in our life to cleanse us. See, I, I got a new washing machine, and it didn't have the little spinny thing in the middle, the joint. And so I was asking the dude, I said, hey, bro, um, what's up with the little spinny joint? Like, is it, is it broken? And he says, nah, the new washers, their agitator is underneath, and you can't really tell that it's there. And see, that's just the same that's true for us. We've got an agitator in our lives, and sometimes we can't see it, and sometimes we don't know what it is, but it's the Holy Spirit of God working things in our lives and, and shaking things around in our life and maneuvering things around and, and making the waters get stirred up so that it could cleanse us. See, we, we, need the, we need the Spirit of God and the Word of God in our life to cleanse us from unrighteousness. I know you think you're doing all right because you live in Philly and all that stuff, but the reality is, and I know you've got a good degree and all that stuff like that, and, and you got you one of them good jobs that black people talk about all the time, but the reality is this, is that without Christ in your life, without him working and moving and shaping things in your life, you are unrighteous as you could be, but in Christ, you have the full righteousness of God residing with inside of you. And so I, I want us to take note of this here because as we move forward in this, in, in the midst of circumstances and difficulty, life is oftentimes agitating us to look more like Jesus. And the way that we hold on to that, here's what Jesus tells us to do. He says, believe in God. He says, believe in God and believe also in me. See, Jesus is, is saying to us, have faith in me. Be persuaded that I am God. Be persuaded that I am in control of your life. And see, hope is defined as this. Hope is defined as an expectation for something to happen. See, here's the problem. We get in the midst of circumstances and difficulty, and we have no expectation for God to work in our lives. How do I know that? Because we get in the midst of challenges and we don't pray. See, if we were expecting God to work in our lives when difficulty came, we would drop down to our knees and cry out to our father. But we don't do that because guess what? We trust in ourselves and our ability to rescue us from situations more than we trust in God's ability to rescue us from situations. That's just the reality, or else we would, we would bow down on our knees. And, and what we're really saying is, God, once you get up to my power level, once you get up to my ability level, then I'll talk to you. But, but, but we've got to focus our hearts on this, what Jesus says here. He says, believe in God and believe also in me. See, Jesus is letting us know that him and the Father are, are the same. And so Jesus is calling us to have hope and to expect him to perform his work in our lives. We've got to be persuaded of Jesus' power to work in our lives. We've got to be persuaded of his power to keep his word to us. See, I know people have broken their promises to you time after time again, but, but Jesus isn't one of them. He, he, Jesus is not one of those people who has ever broken his promises to you. And if you were to run the Rolodex on your life, you would clearly see that Jesus has been faithful to you even when you were faithless. Timothy tells us that. And if you were to run the roll of your life, 
you would see that God has been there for you even when your mother and your father have forsaken you. So as we run the roll on God, we'll be able to see clearly that God is able to be trusted. We got to be persuaded of his care for us as his people. I've got three children, and I would do anything to protect my children from harm. And so as an earthly father, that means that I'm limited in my power and my ability to care for them. But you walk up on one of my kids the wrong way, and you'll have to deal with the wrath and fury of me. Amen, somebody. Imagine a God and a father who is infinitely powerful and infinitely mighty to be able to protect you and keep you from difficulty. Imagine what he would do. Imagine what he would do to keep you from harm. Imagine what he would do to preserve your life. Here's the good news that we already know the answer to that because some 2,000 years ago, he would send his son to a cross to die in our place so that we might have a relationship with God the Father and so that sin would no no longer have a hold over us and death would no longer have its grip over us. Here's a little acronym for hope I want to give you. Hope, H, here's the H. Hold on to God's word. God is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. See, in the midst of life, we oftentimes get in a place where it's hard for us to hold on to the word of God. Like it's challenging for us to go there. That's why the scripture tells us to have the word hidden in your heart. Because when challenge comes and difficulty comes, sometimes, I'll just be real with you, it's hard to sit down with your Bible and read. It is. It's challenging to sit down with your word and see what God has to say to you. But, the, but, but we have to fight to hold on to the word of God so that it can be in our hearts. When challenges come, we can sit back and recite the word and know that when my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. He says, lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. So, so we've got to have the word written on our hearts as believers in Christ. Next is this. Oh, we have to have an optimistic outlook because of Jesus. See, we can be confident about the future. Why? Because Jesus says here, he says, I've already secured the future for you. See, see, Jesus has already secured the, uh, the future that we need and over the one that we oftentimes desire. See, sometimes we're looking at situations and we're saying, God, if you would just do it this way, if you would just work in this direction, then everything would be all right. When God is saying, no, I, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I'm going to take you in this direction because I know best for you and you don't know what you're talking about. So be quiet. But we can have an optimistic outlook on life. Because Jesus has secured our future for us. He says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. P, 
purity. Purity in the grace of God. See, hope and purity go hand in hand. See, here's the reality for us. Is that you can live the kind of life that God prescribes for you to live when you have hope because you know that this is not all that there is. I'll I'll come up your street a little bit. See, when you have hope in God, you don't have to mess with that joker just to fill a sense of security because God has promised you that you are secure in him. See, when you have your hope in Christ, you don't have to worry about whether or not your job is going to lay you off because God says, I am your provider. So you don't got to finagle and try to twist your way around and and wiggle your way into stuff because God has promised you a future and a hope that is secure so you can live a pure life in the grace of God. E, enduring no matter what happens. We need endurance. My goodness, we need we need some endurance. We we can't take nothing. I mean, the first little thing that come up, and we oh God, oh Lord, oh, we him and all all this stuff coming up. Like it's like, bruh. Like black people, our ancestors got lynched and hung from trees, and like somebody say something bad about us on Instagram, and now we tripping out. We got to be able to endure through some stuff. And endurance comes through, ready? Adhering to the word of God. That's how you endure. You got to adhere to the word of God and have hope. Here's the next place I want you to have hope. First, I want you to have hope in your heart. Next, I want you to have hope in heaven. Hope in heaven. See, I walked in here today with this little rag, and Pastor Kurt made fun of me. He was like, what you doing with that big fella? And I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm out here, like I'm trying. <laughs> so he, he graciously gave me another towel so I could not be up here playing with the little little towel that I had. Thank you, Pastor Kurt. I appreciate you, brother. We got to stick together. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus says. Heaven is a real place. It's a real place converse is is that hell is a real place too and so because heaven is a real place it's not just a product of our religious imaginations or a result of some psyched up mentality looking for some pie in the sky like some of our folks in the conscious community would try to urge us that that's what we're doing like no that's that's not the truth heaven is a real place here's why because the Bible says it's a real place. And if that's not good enough for you, I don't know how to help you. But see, heaven is described as a kingdom in Second Peter. It's described as an inheritance in First Peter. It's described as a country in Hebrews chapter 11. It's described as a city in Hebrews 11. And it's described as a home here in John chapter 14. 
So Jesus says to them, he says, in my father's house, i.e. heaven, there are many rooms. If not, I would have told you, and I am going away to prepare a place for you. See, this preparation that Jesus makes, he's using the language of betrothal in this passage. Now, betrothal is when the, when the bridegroom, it, it's, it's sort of like modern day engagement, and st- but it was more binding than that. So if you were betrothed in in, in Jesus' time, what that meant was that you were functionally married to one another. You just hadn't had a wedding yet. So Jesus is using the language of betrothal here to describe for us what our relationship is like with him now as we're waiting on his return. So Jesus is saying, look, I go away to prepare a place for you, just like the bridegroom in that time. He would leave for about a year and go and get the house and everything ready and get stuff prepared for his bride to come and be with him. And so what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, listen, I'm doing something in your life, even though you might not see me presently in your face, I'm working and moving on your behalf and I'm making preparations for you that you can have hope in. So as we live throughout this life, we can have a surety and certainty in knowing that God and that Jesus is working to prepare a place for us where there will be no more sickness and there will be no more sorrow and there will be no more death and there will be no more dying and there will be no more backbiting and no more talking behind your back and no more treating you wrong. He says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. In other words, what he's saying is this. I'm committed to you. See, you remember when you was a kid, um, and your mom would say, if you be good, I don't know if that's good English, but if you be good, we'll go get ice cream. And so all day in class, you sitting there. <laughs> Teacher say something, you're like, ooh, can't say nothing because mom said, we're going to go get ice cream. And if I mess this up, I just, I'm not going to get ice cream. It was the preparation that your mother had made for you and the trust that you had in her word that you knew that if you had behaved yourself in class and you weren't rowdy and acting up, then afterwards there was a place prepared for you where you could go get your favorite treat, your butter pecan, your rocky roll, whatever it was that you liked, and you could go and get some ice cream. The same is true for us. Jesus says, look, I'm preparing a place for you. So that means that we can live the kind of life that he calls us to live because we know he's making preparation for us. So we've got to adhere ourselves and align ourselves to this truth that God is working and he's preparing a place for us to be with him. And look what he says here. He says, if I go away, don't worry. I'll come again. And I'll take you to myself. What a sweet promise from our Lord. See, my, my, my daughter, my middle daughter, it's always the middle child. Um, she's like, she's 11. So she'd be like, I leave the house, I go to leave the house, I grab my jacket. Daddy, where are you going? I'm a grown little girl. <laughs> Don't be asking me where I'm going. And because I'm kind of soft when it comes to my daughter, she'd be like, Daddy, where are you going? And so I'd be like, I'm just going to the store real quick, if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so she says, Daddy, when when you coming back? Like, you, are you going to be long? Like, when are you coming back? And I say, 
because now I'm trying to be tough. I'm like, girl, I said I'd be back. <laughs> and I look at her. And she goes, okay. This is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, listen, I know you might have anxiety. You might have doubt right now. You might be unsure, but I'm coming back. Don't, don't, don't be worried about what's going on or what's happening here. I, I'll be back. Don't, don't, don't be tripping out about, about what's going to happen while I'm gone. All I said, I'm coming back. And when I come back, guess what? I'm going to take you with me. So Jesus is instructing us. He, he's comforting us with his words here, with these promises. He said that I'm going to take you with me where I'm going. The writer here in, in, in Hebrews, it talks about hope. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, sure and steadfast. See, I watch a lot of um, nature shows, because that's my thing. Um, so I, I be on Discovery Channel and all that kind of stuff. Like, my new craze right now is big fish, like, where they be, hunt, like, fishing for the monster fish. Anybody? Oh, okay, thank you. Somebody, somebody was with me. All right, I appreciate it. So the monster fish, like the sturgeon and the ermapaya, like these are like eight feet long fish. The sturgeon is the one that they think is people mistake for the Loch Ness monster and all that stuff like that. So anyway, I, I watch these shows, and one of the things that I'm fascinated with is the fact that when they go fishing, they have to drop an anchor. I've never been fishing before, so I don't know what that's like. But if they don't drop their anchor, because these fish are so big and so strong, they're like eight feet long, weigh close to 200 pounds. If they don't drop an anchor, what will happen is, is that the fish will just drag them all across the lake. It'll drag them all across the ocean if, if they're not anchored to something. And the same is true for us with sin in our lives. If we aren't anchored in Christ, then sin will just drag us all over the lake. It will drag us all around, and we'll be somewhere out in the middle of the ocean wondering, how did I get this far down into sin? How did I get so deep into this doubt? How did I get so deep into anxiety and worry? It's because you weren't anchored in Christ. See, an anchor keeps you from drifting. See, and, and this works sometimes, but the winds and the waves of life are strong. And, and, and they come and they knock you back and forth and, and they send you to and fro. And these winds and waves are known as temptation. And see, when temptation comes, it, it, it knocks us off and, and we go into stuff that we never thought that we would go into. We find ourselves doing things that we never thought we would do. We find ourselves thinking stuff that we never thought we had the capacity or ability to even think. But, but when, we, when we're anchored in Christ, an anchor will only let you go but so far. See, what I've learned is, is that even sometimes when the fish pulls them, when they've got their anchor hitched right, they'll only go so far. And that's the same for you. See, see I grew up in church. And some of the stuff that, that I used to do, I, I wowed out a little bit, and, and I did some crazy stuff that I knew I had no business doing, but, but there was just some stuff that I just wouldn't do. Like, there was some stuff that I, I just couldn't find myself doing because of that anchor that had been locked in me from the Word of God through sitting in Sunday school as a child and learning about those Bible verses and those scriptures that taught me about God and who he was, and I knew that he was an angry and jealous God, and I couldn't go but so far. 
That's why you've got to instill into your children the word of God. Stop allowing Netflix and YouTube to parent your children. Stop letting them just sit in front of a box and learn about stuff that you should be teaching them. Because they need an anchor in their soul that will hold them when life comes at them and tries to rip them out of the hand of God. See, an anchor will hold you in place. See, when life throws everything at you, hope will be the thing that holds you in place. See, when, 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 when people around you are telling you, like Job folk, why don't you just curse God and die? You've got an anchor that will hold you. And it is the hope that you have in the words of Jesus that he says that even though I'm going away, I'm coming back for you and I'm going to take you with me. So we've got to have a hope and we've got to be anchored in that hope. Because here's the hope that we have. This is my last idea is that we have hope in him. Verse 4, Jesus says, you know the way to where I am going. And then Derek said, we don't know the way where you're going. <laughs> how, how can we know the way? See, you can insert your name in there too. Because oftentimes, you're looking at your life and you're wondering, where is God taking me? You look at your life and wonder, what, what is God doing here? Like, I, I, I just don't know the way. I, I, I don't know which direction I'm going. And then Jesus here, he responds to him. And he says, don't worry. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, in the Greek language, I am is a very intense way of someone referring to themselves. It can be comparable to saying, I myself and only I am. So several times throughout the Gospels, we find Jesus using this phrase. In, in Matthew 22, he says it, and, and he quotes Exodus chapter 3, uh, where God uses the same intense form to say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in John 858, Jesus says, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And, and so the Jews, they clearly understood Jesus to be calling himself God. Because they took up stones and they threw them at him, saying that he was committing blasphemy and equating themselves with God. And then in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus gave his great commission and he gave an emphasis by saying, he says, I am with you even until the end of the age. And when the soldiers came seeking Jesus in the garden, the night before his crucifixion, he told them, I am he. His words were so powerful that the soldiers fell down on the ground. These words, they, they reflect the the, the very name of God in Hebrew, which is Yahweh, which means to be or to the self-existing one. And it's, it's the name of power and authority, and Jesus here is claiming it as his own. So Jesus is letting us know in the midst of your challenges, in the midst of your difficulty, you may not know the way, but I am the way. 
in the midst of your uncertainty, you may not know what the truth is. You may not know which way to look or what's right from wrong, but know this, I am the truth. In the midst of death, when death is swirling around you and your opportunities look like they're not going to make it and everything seems like it's failing and falling around you and there seems like there is no life, Jesus stands here as a beacon of hope for us. He says, don't worry about that, boo-boo. I am the life. So we've got to see Jesus here for who he is. He uses this definite article in the, in the, in the language and he says, I am the only way. And, and he's talking about a path or direction to God. If you want to get to God the Father, then guess what? You've got to go through the way. And the way is Jesus Christ. If, if, if you're going to find truth here in this life, then guess what? You've got to find what Jesus calls the only truth, and that is him. He is the only truth, the only truth that will stand in uncertainty, the only truth that will stand when, when liars show up and when difficulties show up. He is the truth of your situation. He is the truth about your circumstance. He is the truth, and he is the life. He is the one that restores you. He is the one that gives you everything that you need. He is the one that provides you with all that you need. He is the one who decides what you should do. He is the one who gives you all that you need and in him is life and life more abundantly. Father, we thank you. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that these your people, Lord, as they hear your word, God, that they would respond to the preaching of the word with having hope in you. God, as difficulty comes, as challenges in life come, God, I pray that you would hold us sure. At least we might have a sure foundation in you. And God, I pray that we would have hope when things seem hopeless. It's no virtue if we just have hope when everything's hunky-dory. God, but give us some hope when things seem hopeless. Give us some faith when things seem faithless. God, and as long as we are in you, God, I pray that we would know that we have a strength and a security in you and that we can stand firm knowing that we are yours and we belong to you and that one day you're coming back for your people and you're coming back to take us with you. So, God, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise for all that you've done and all that you are. It's in the name of Christ that I pray. Amen. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you. We love you.